Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am pretty sure I started a show last week by saying never a dull moment, and I find myself needing to say the same thing again because it seems like we are in kind of an age uh, of the college football calendar where we make a big announcement, we react to some news, and then we run the risk of 24 hours later well, all of a sudden, that news is not quite the way we thought that it was. That is literally how fast the news cycle is spinning right now, that uh, things are seemingly happening at a rapid clip, and then some of those things eventually sort of reverse course, and they end up not happening. Uh, we've had a lot of that in the transfer portal and the recruiting and everything else. It has been a wild time to try to be a college football fan and keep up with all of this. We're doing the best we can to obviously narrate this experience for you. And this is what I thought we were coming into to talk about here today. By the way, we'll give you a reminder that we are pre-recording this the morning of. So if news is breaking throughout the morning, obviously we're watching that closely here on Dog Nation. But as of Saturday, I thought my Monday would be really kind of defined by coming in here and talking to you about Travaris Robinson, terrific defensive coach, most recently of Alabama, moving to Georgia as both a safeties coach and a co-defensive coordinator replacing Will Muschamp who'd previously been in that role more on Muschamp here in a moment in, in fact this wasn't just reportedly so or or things that the internet chatter was suggesting was going to happen Georgia did officially announce this let me show you this on the screen Travaris Robinson kind of getting the nod from the official Georgia account here uh the text saying join us in welcoming the newest member of our staff Travaris Robinson welcome to the classic city hashtag uh, uh, at uh, coach T Rob go dogs with the hashtag and you see the the, the uh, graphic there that does truly make that official as co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach and perhaps that is what's going to happen here. Maybe that's the way all of this plays out. But there is speculation, and I believe it's now been, I think, from some of the Bama websites here, perhaps Bama Online, the On3 uh, Bama site, I believe they've confirmed that since Georgia made this announcement on Saturday that T-Rob was coming here as co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach, I, I believe it's Bama Online that has had this first, that uh, – he has since interviewed at Alabama with new head coach Kalen DeBoer to perhaps stay there as like defensive coordinator all by himself, not a co-DC role, not sharing those responsibilities. I believe it's been reported that he's interviewing there and has interviewed there for the idea that he would have the defense by himself and the sole play caller for that defense in the first year of the Kalen DeBoer era there at Alabama. So that's kind of what this comes down to, which is – on the heels of Nick Saban retiring, T-Rob looking around, good friends on the Georgia coaching staff, obviously a you know powerhouse program, a, a chance to kind of slide into the role that Will Muschamp had occupied. Clearly, Georgia's very attracted to, to him on that. But on the flip side of that, if you have a chance to have all the power for a defense, if you have the chance to kind of be the SEC-friendly face to an outsider coach, well, perhaps that would make the Alabama situation uh, a little bit more attractive. So that's kind of where we sit very early on a Monday morning as we're recording the show. Georgia has announced T-Rob as its head coach, but if Alabama and new coach Kalen DeBoer were to truly offer him full and sole control of that defense, could this perhaps swing back the other way? 
I guess anything is possible. Now, keep in mind, a few of the Georgia assistants kind of have a similar story that when Georgia, you know, brought over Trey Scott as defensive line coach, for instance, he had just been hired at Ole Miss, uh, kind of took him away from there. So there's a lot of this stuff that kind of goes on where you think so-and-so is going to do one thing and ends up getting a better offer, and that's just kind of the crazy nature of college football. But it seems like a lot more of this kind of stuff is sort of happening lately where things are just really crazy all the time. Now, I can't really give you closure on this right now. You already know that T-Rob would be a good addition for Georgia. You understand why Kalen DeBoer, perhaps playing catch-up here, just having been hired, would do everything that he could to keep him. So the wrestling match of the quality coach, that kind of makes some sense. We all understand that. But in terms of how this is ultimately going to end, we don't really know. It's up in the air here right now. Here's all I can tell you is that the best I can tell, Kirby Smart seems to be at peace with this sort of thing here right now. I want to go back the other day when Kirby Smart was on the radio station 92.9 The Game. Now, the question in a roundabout way is sort of about, uh, remember Jaden Maeva, the uh, quarterback from UNLV that for about five minutes was coming to Georgia, then changed his mind, decided to go to USC. And all of that was just sort of really weird. It kind of popped up out of nowhere. Then it sort of disappeared out of nowhere. And the whole thing was just really strange. Well, the context for that, doesn't it in some ways feel a little bit similar to the context for this where out of nowhere, we didn't even know that Georgia had an opening for a co-defensive coordinator and a safeties coach. For all we knew, that was still very much kind of locked away by Will Muschamp. But then on Saturday, it's announced that T-Rob was coming before we even really got the official confirmation that Muschamp was stepping down and stepping away. And now we're kind of left to wonder, well, is this all as real as it seems to be? You know, could Alabama work its way back in and 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 pull T-Rod back to Tuscaloosa. In some respects, this sort of feels like how the Jade Maeva thing sort of played out. And so with that as the context, here is the radio host from Atlanta, Stake Shapiro, asking Kirby Smart if he was disappointed. Now, he doesn't mention Maeva by name, but that's kind of the t- context of the question. Was he disappointed that Maeva moved on? And Kirby says something is in relationship to the transfer quarterback that I believe is also really relevant in this discussion here, too. Let me let you hear Kirby Smart on that. Were you surprised or disappointed at all about how the quarterback room has filled out or not filled out in recent since uh, that decision at all? No, not not really surprised. Nothing surprises me anymore. It's 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 uh, over the flow. You know, it's who can adapt best. It's uh, um, take the information you're given, take the, the the opportunity to get players that you're given, and make the most of it. And that's what we've done. So hopefully the context of what Kirby says about Maeva is obvious in this T-Rob situation. Kirby says, nothing surprises me anymore. And if that be true for a transfer quarterback changing his mind at the last minute, that might also need to be true for a defensive coach who you hire, officially announce, and then have that guy you know, go back to the original place that he was. Kirby says, nothing surprises me anymore. He also says... This is about going with the flow, which is not just a reference to one of our in-season shows where we make our picks, but also an understood phrase here of, listen, you just got to roll with the punches. You just got to be ready to do whatever and be nimble and be quick and just be ready to handle whatever comes. And the other word, and perhaps the, the, the most important word of all, is the idea of adapting, the ability to adapt to what college football throws at you at any given moment. I'm not going to lie to you, and you would all agree with me, I think, on this. The idea of there being any real significant order in college football, that's long since gone away. This is a sport that's sort of defined, especially in the offseason, 
uh, by chaos. This is a very chaotic sport at the moment. And that chaos is not for everybody. Some people choose not to handle it. Some people just simply can't handle it. It's just too much. The uh, the the constantly spinning news cycle and the ability or the requirement really to re-recruit your own players, re-recruit your own coaches, and just keep everything in place, that's just too much for some people. But when you hear Kirby Smart reflecting there on the uh, Maeva situation saying, nah, you adapt, you roll with the punches, you do the best that you can, you would presume he would say the same thing about the Travars Robinson situation there as well. T-Rob's a good coach. It's understandable why both Georgia and Alabama would want him, and we will see how all of this uh, plays out. Now, let me shift gears to this just for a quick moment. One way or another, whether T-Rob sort of keeps the the plan in place to come here to Georgia as a safeties coach and a co-defensive coordinator or not, it goes back to Alabama for more power and to give Kalen DeBoer the, the recognizable face down here in SEC country that he desperately needs. One way or another, it does seem like Will Muschamp is stepping away from the role that he's been in will no longer be Georgia's co-defensive coordinator, will no longer be Georgia's safeties coach, and will be instead in kind of an analyst role here, still around the program, but not on a daily basis as an on-field coach. Now, as we said on Saturday when this news about T-Rob first broke, that if you've got Will Muschamp and his institutional knowledge still connected to the program, while also someone who's as respected as Travaris Robinson working as a co-defensive coordinator to safeties coach, that's the best of all worlds. You would obviously love that. But one way or another, keeping Will Muschamp involved in this program, if it is true that he is ready to step away from an active coaching role, the fact that Muschamp will be sticking around here, I think that's a very valuable thing. And I want to go back to SEC media days from a couple of summers ago when Kirby Smart at that time kind of talked about what he sees, the value of Will Muschamp being. And so in light of the fact that Muschamp is stepping away from an on-field coaching role but staying with the program, Kirby's description of Muschamp's value from a couple of summers ago, this is incredibly relevant. This is what Kirby Smart said at the time. Will's been a tremendous asset for me as a head coach because you value people who have been in your seat. So Todd Muckin's been a head coach. You know, Matt Luke was that way for us as well. He'd been a head coach. Mel Tucker had been in a lot of roles before he left us. So I value that experience he's had in understanding uh, the do's and don'ts things, ways to do things, how to practice, how you run your organization. And also it gives you ability to delegate too. You've got to take some things off your hand. I can focus my attention in other areas if I know he's in charge of something because he's done it. And he's, he's, he's been unbelievable. He's a great staff guy. He's, he's, he's super positive with our players. Players enjoy and love being around uh, Coach Muschamp. And I'm just very thankful that he and his family um, are on our staff and with our program. You want that guy around the program if you can get him. The description that Kirby Smart gives there is obviously very accurate. And to keep that institutional knowledge in place, I think, is a truly valuable thing. But let me also say one more point as well. The other day I was looking at uh, Brett McMurphy. Do you know who that is? National College Football writer. He works for the Action Network now. And he was talking about what he thought was one of his favorite Nick Saban stories. And this is not me taking a shot at Nick Saban. This is just a reaction that I had to a story where – McMurphy is recounting this thing on Christmas Day many, many years ago, going back to the time in which Kirby Smart still worked as Nick Saban's defensive coordinator. And uh, Nick Saban was not happy about being at his in-laws house on Christmas. And so therefore he concocted this scheme to get Kirby on the phone. And uh, he pretends that Kirby's trying to drag him into the coaching office. And Nick Saban basically goes to work on Christmas Day and then convinces 
all of his other coaches to come into the office there as well on Christmas Day many years ago. And when Brett McMurphy tells the story, it's told from the standpoint of, oh, this is how tireless of a worker Nick Saban is. But, you know, uh, and ha ha, he concocted this scheme to get away from his in-laws. But I'm sitting here thinking, I'm not trying to be too judgmental, but like, okay, well, you got away from your in-laws, but you also left your kids on Christmas. Like, that's sort of weird. And, I, you know, I don't know. Like, like obviously, the only context I have for that story is what Brett McMurphy tells. But I can tell you this from having, you know, known people who know people who know people who know people is that, you know, family is very important to Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart a, is a family man in addition to being a coach. And Kirby, I believe you know operates a program in which the Georgia coaches also were able to value family as well and I think that Will Muschamp stepping away is if I had to guess as much about family as anything we all saw the great video of him from the Orange Bowl where you know he's celebrating uh you know his son Jackson Muschamp being in the game and getting a first down I think many of you are aware that his other son Whit Muschamp who I've been led to believe uh, Will Muschamp was traveling to watch play uh, high school football in Chattanooga you know pretty frequently uh, this past season he's on his way to Vanderbilt here right now and so Muschamp after being a head coach a couple of different places is now sort of stepping away to be a little bit more of a father on a full-time basis in fact spending more time with family was the reason given for Muschamp stepping into the role that he's uh, stepping into now sometimes that's code language for i you know, just got fired or whatever. But obviously, in Will Muschamp's case, that's clearly not what this is. He really is stepping into more of a family role, which I think is great. I think it's great that the Georgia coaches do value family. I want them to. Listen, if you're a Georgia football coach, you know, all of us who are fans of UGA, we expect you to work hard because that's what the SEC requires. But none of you, none of us, I think, want you to, you know, you know, uh, not be fully present for your families and fully present for your kids and experience the situation they're going through on a regular basis. So Witt, as he begins his career at Vanderbilt, uh, Jackson, as he continues to go through his you know, time at UGA and whatever's next for him, or just anything else that Muschamp may have, you know, from a family basis there, the fact that he's taking some time, earned the right to, and now taking some time to enjoy that i have to say i think that's a really good thing and i wish him well as he does that my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented today by pella window indoor of georgia obviously it's a holiday monday we uh, look back on the legacy of dr martin luther king and as you're doing that today with your family and friends we appreciate you allowing dog nation daily to be a part of your day whether it's on video of course 10 a.m across all platforms normally live pre-recorded for right now but uh back again very soon really a fun new horizon in store for uh, dog nation daily in the uh, weeks and months to come can't tell you all about that now because i don't know all about it but there is obviously a lot of fun stuff on the way here so we appreciate you kind of riding through what has been a little bit of a bumpy period but man big fun things in store in the uh, months to come so 10 a.m the live spot for our program on video coming again very soon of course recorded the day of here right now you get the drill on all of that 945 still there for our first and 15 at dognation.com the dog nation app we're always truly appreciative of all that normally it's radio app and sports radio 96 the ref and podcasts across all the platforms just really thankful that you found a platform that works for you and you choose to be a part of our show and incredibly thankful to our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia who make the show possible. You know, it's a really cold week coming up. Windy, cold weather, perhaps some snow. Do, do I hear this correctly? There could be snow in the uh, forecast here right now. So there's a lot going on there with uh, all of that. Well, guess what? When all that cold, windy weather is taking place, you want it outside your home. You don't want it coming inside the house. And that's what really quality 
uh, properly sealed and efficient windows, the likes of which that Pella window and door of Georgia is all about. Their quality windows and doors keep the outside where it's supposed to be. They keep you feeling cozy and warm on the inside the way that you want to. Plus, the home looks better. It's always great to have good, good curb appeal. Great to be a good neighbor. Great to perhaps positively benefit your resale factor if that's something you're thinking about coming up in the year to come. So Pella Window and Door of Georgia, a really valuable asset for you. The best way to take the best care of your home. And you've been hearing me say that now for years. I think the next step for you is to have a conversation with one of those Pella experts and to find out just how true this really is. So you can stop by and see them in their experience center in Duluth, put your hands on the product, feel what makes it different, or have them come out and visit you. They'll give you a no-pressure consultation right there in your home. You can do it virtually if you'd prefer to do that, of course, too. Uh, or you can just give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Plus, you can visit them on the web, PellaofGA.com slash dognation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Reach out to them. Tell them the BA from Dog Nation Daily said that they would take good care of you because I know they will. Uh, Pella Window and Door of Georgia is truly viewed to be the best. All right, here coming up in a couple of moments, we're going to get a chance to talk to John Stinchcomb. Fun discussion coming up with him about what we do and don't know about Travis Robinson and whether he's going or staying as a newly hired Georgia football coach. We'll get into the legacy of Nick Saban, the new hire of Kalen DeBoer, more on the DeBoer thing also later on in the program as well as it relates to uh, UGA in particular. We'll do some of that here coming up in a moment. But prior to that, I want to go around the dog house and around the doghouse today I want to focus on some good news for UGA that perhaps flies under the radar here just a little bit it was announced this weekend that Warren Brinson Georgia defensive lineman is returning for 2024 he put this out on Instagram saying hashtag I'm back sorry for the wait so Warren Brinson is coming back for 2024 good ad for Georgia to go along with Nazir Stackhouse who earlier had also made the same announcement so Georgia gets a couple of veteran pieces on its defensive line you pair this with some veteran offensive linemen who are also coming back Xavier Truss and Tate Ratledge and you see Georgia holding on to from within its own ranks the type of line of scrimmage talent that you cannot easily go out and replicate other places if you look at the transfer portal the transfer portal is a good way to supplement your roster especially at some positions but it is not a a place and it is not going to be a particularly effective tool to build or rebuild either line of scrimmage there just aren't great offensive linemen in the transfer portal we've got a you know multi-year track record of proving that and if you really want to fill out a defensive line not an easy thing to do either now there are occasionally going to be the, the lt overtons and the the warren nolans uh, uh walter nolan excuse me you know there are some of those guys that are out there we've obviously talked about them a little bit here this off you know season but that's a little bit of an outlier compared to what you typically are going to find because when programs get those really good line of scrimmage players, they're going to do everything they can to hold on to them. And then obviously eventually those players are going to move on to the NFL. So when Georgia works as hard as it does in high school football recruiting to bring in players like this, clearly there's additional value there because in terms of going to replace them, if you wanted to try to do that in the portal, you just wouldn't be able to do it. And on the open market, a guy like Brinson, you would assume would have a ton of value the same way a stack house would the same way the trust and 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 uh ratledges of the world would georgia holding on to a player like this having him choose to forego the nfl for one more year to come back to uga is clearly a very big deal and it also is a part of an i guess the conversation we've had ongoing here now for a couple of days which is 
that in light of Georgia sort of unanimously and consensusly, is that a word, consensusly? <laughs> the, the consensus is, let me say it that way, preseason number one team for 2024. What we've been asking is, okay, well, what stands in the way of that? If everybody sort of seems to think this is true here right now, what would perhaps prevent that from being true for the upcoming year? We've talked about the schedule that Georgia might play. We've talked about the need to replace Brock Bowers, how difficult that is. And the sort of third of those issues, the other thing that I have sort of seen as a potential you know, issue for Georgia to deal with is, is the need to create a defensive line in 2024 that resembles a little bit more of what Georgia certainly had in 2021, if not also what it had in 2022. And a guy like Brinson coming back is a big part of that. And yet, in addition to that, Georgia's got to build some guys around the Bransons and around the Stackhouses. Georgia's got to just show a little bit more teeth with that aspect of the defense. You go back and look at the stats from a year ago. Georgia was just ninth in the SEC in sacks last season at 30 sacks on the year, just 10th in the SEC in tackles for loss with 72 on the year. So while it's great that Warren Brenson's coming back, certainly Georgia's made better because of it. He is a part of an ongoing story for UGA of a defensive line that needs to improve, needs to play better, and you better believe that's going to be one of the conversations we have here a lot on Dog Nation Daily, exactly how Georgia gets that done. For now, though, we'll call that Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. I'll also say this real quick before we bring on John Stinchcomb. I'm proud to make a really fun announcement that if you go to dognation.com tomorrow, one of the things you're going to see is a really cool giveaway from our friends at Kroger. I'm previewing this for you now. It's going to be live and, and, and taking place tomorrow where you have a chance to win a trip on the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April courtesy of our friends at Kroger. There are more details to come about this tomorrow, but I want you to be locked in. I want you to see this, the Dog Nation cruise giveaway. We did this last year. We had a great time. Kroger said we had so much fun doing this last year. We want to do this again here this year. So someone's going to win a chance to be a part of our Dog Nation cruise in April. It's going to be super, super simple, super easy to, uh, to register for your chance to win. All of that going to be at dognation.com tomorrow. So please make sure you're watching the website closely. Be really easy to see and a chance for you to join us on the Dog Nation cruise courtesy of our friends at Kroger. Can't wait to tell you more about that. Details on that debuting at dognation.com tomorrow. So make sure you're there and ready to go on that. But for us, we are ready to go with John Stinchcomb, the former UGA All-American on Brinson's return on what's next for Georgia as it relates to Travis Robinson. Sort of a shrug on that right now, although admittedly uh, easy to imagine that if Robinson gets the money, the power that he wants at Alabama, he may rethink his decision to come to UGA. We're covering all of that with John Stinchcomb here right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, window and door of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia, always a fun time to have John Stinchcomb in the program talking about all the stuff going on with uh, Georgia football, and there's stuff going on seemingly each and every day. Uh, John, before we get into some of the latest on the Travars Robinson stuff and kind of what might be happening there, how about Warren Brinson's decision to return to Georgia in 2024? This, to me, is one of those stories that perhaps flies under the radar a little bit because, A, I think that people had sort of assumed that Brinson was going to come back. Now he makes it official. 
but the other part of this is is that I don't believe there's proper consideration sometimes given for how few of these kinds of players there are, for instance, in the transfer portal. The idea of, well, I'll go out and just get a ready-made, ready-to-play defensive lineman. Honestly, when it comes to lines of, line of scrimmage guys, there just aren't a lot of those in the portal. So when you have uh, Tate Ratledge, Xavier Trust come back, those are the kinds of players that you couldn't go out and easily replace somewhere else. When it's a Nazir Stackhouse and now a Warren Brinson on the defensive line, once again, the example of the kind of thing, of if you've got guys like that who you do trust to play that you can keep, so much better to do that than have to go out and try to replace them. I believe the Brinson decision to return is a very underrated positive story for UGA. What do you make of it? Couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think with Brinson and Tate Ratledge, not only are you talking about high-level players that have been a part of um, this this team and been a major factor in the success that Georgia has had, but you talk about uh, locker room identity builders. You talk about a couple guys, and they're not alone. Xavier Trust, throw him into the bag as well as Carson Beck and other guys that have chosen to return over, over other options that they might have had. Um, and it builds a, a stronger locker room. You talk about identity. You talk about the, the way things are done the Georgia way. These are guys that have bought in and led the way for, for a while now. And with Warren Brinson, in my opinion, he's been one of our most effective interior pass rushers for the past couple of years now. So, um, you know, not, not probably on the level of some of those bigger-name guys. Jalen Carter comes to mind. But uh, he, he certainly affects an offensive line. He gets a lot of penetration, tackles for losses, uh, affecting the quarterback, moving him off his spot. He's been one of our most effective interior rushers. Now that said, the other day, John, when we were noticing some of those way too early top 25s that are coming out, you know how much I love that kind of stuff, fun speculation, <laughs> as early as possible about the upcoming season. We're seeing Georgia number one in those polls. And so I've been kind of talking about all of this from the standpoint of, okay, well, what sort of stands in the way of Georgia perhaps, you know, succeeding in all of that? What, you know, what sort of stands in the way of Georgia perhaps really, you know, fulfilling that potential and being the number one team in the country uh, for next year? And to me, one of the major issues is the need to have better success along the defensive line. I think it's great that Brenton's coming back because his experience aids in that mission but I do believe that one of the things that was kind of missing from Georgia here this year was that elite, dominant defensive line. And as you look ahead to next season, Brenson, Stackhouse, newcomers in larger roles, just being better along the defensive line, I do believe, is one of the most important kind of, uh, I guess, obstacles in the way of the dogs for 2024. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, so you look at our last and, and lone loss from the past two seasons and it came at the hands of our defensive line getting bounced around more than what we're accustomed to. And uh, we, we made, or it's either we made Alabama's offensive line look superior or, uh, you know, they, they were. But you watch that game and go, they were able in, in some pretty critical situations to kind of enforce their will against our defensive front, uh, specifically late in the game where we knew we needed the ball back and, you know, those were designed Jalen Milrow runs, and we couldn't do much about it. Now, that's just a snapshot, right? We're not we're not basing this assessment off solely a few plays in one game. Uh, there were times where, you know, I felt like our defensive 
unit together was superior to most. But we're talking about the, the scales in which we're measuring our, our team is against the best of the best. And uh, I do agree that that, that certainly wasn't uh, – it's an area that we can improve, to, to be kind. Uh, it's an area that, you know, in, the, in years past, we have seen what superior elite play from a group like that looks like. And it's uh, let, let's also recognize we're not always going to have Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter and Walker and you know a, a group that puts in uh, first round draft picks at will. But I think we're pretty close. I think I think we've got some pieces in place that we're adding some young guys that you know maybe we're talking about three years from now in that same vein. I said this before you joined our show, which is that I came in assuming that on a Monday we'd be talking about, hey, Georgia made pretty shrewd coaching hire. We didn't know that Will Muschamp wanted to step away from his co-DC safeties coach role at Georgia. But if he does, boy, great to keep him on the staff and analyst role. You love that. Uh, great to bring in a guy like Travaris Robinson, who's thought to be you know such a high-value assist, assistant coach in the SEC. Seems like a grand slam home run hire for UGA. And yet, we're kind of in that day and age in which it seems like in college football nothing's ever fully done or fully final, and there are rumblings and grumblings as you and I are recording this early on a Monday morning, holiday morning, by the way. Thank you for your time, John. But as you and I are recording this early on a Monday morning, that Alabama, perhaps, with new coach Kalen DeBoer, has made the offer to Robinson to now stay at Alabama in a full-fledged defensive coordinator role, kind of having those responsibilities to himself. More power, perhaps more money. Hard thing to turn down if it is true. So, John, we're kind of sitting here in a limbo right now of, well, if Georgia's able to have T-Rob, and by the way, they've announced him on the coaching staff, if they're able to have him, then that's great, but also understandable why a brand-new coach at Alabama who does not have ties to the SEC would do everything in his power to keep a coach like this in the program who does have such deep ties to the SEC. These are the sort of wrestling matches that are becoming commonplace this day and age, are they not? Well, and I think it shows the value that he brings to a staff, not only um, in his ability to coach, he's, he's viewed as one of the you know brighter minds when it comes to that position group and just overall schematically. Uh, he was, they were certainly singing his praises um, in Alabama in recent times. So um, there is not only that, that aspect of what he brings to the table, but his ability to recruit and connect with um, the highest level players across the country. He's seen as one of the best recruiters. So obviously a, a, a coveted member of anyone's staff, and I think Georgia fans and, and the Georgia uh, coaching staff was pretty excited to hear that uh, what that coaching staff might look like with him in the room and – still able to keep Muschamp in that analyst role. I, you know, that certainly makes sense to me. As as you're looking at it, you're going, man, I could help with scheme. I could talk about you know, how, how we can get best utilize our guys and get them in the not only the best position, but uh, continue to train them in that aspect as, as Coach Muschamp could do in an analyst role. Uh, but he probably doesn't have that same demand uh, that you would as a – you know, a named coach in the recruiting world and trying to make sure that everybody is not only the high schoolers, but the, the college kids as well are happy and, and wanting to stay a part of that program. That's got to be draining in that position. So um, if it is, uh, in fact, the ink is uh, dried and final and, and George is able to keep 
uh, Coach Robinson, I think that's a, a big hire. And I certainly would understand why an incoming coach that isn't quite as familiar with the SEC would want to retain him. You know, looking back on what happened on Saturday, you know, I'm a baseball fan, John. And, you know, when a pinch hitter is announced, he's in the game. You've now burned that player. When a when a relief pitcher is announced, that's the moment in which when the PA announcer says his name, that means that guy is now officially in the game. And if you take him out then, then you've kind of, you know, you sort of burned him, you know, as a player, you know, sort of looking back on this, you know, Georgia seemingly rushing to get the official announcement out, basically as, you know, Kalen DeBoer is still getting off the plane and sort of figuring out where the bathrooms are at the Alabama football office. You know, Georgia's making this announcement as a way of, you know, kind of acting quicker than Alabama could respond. And, you know, now that's kind of put the Crimson Tide in a situation where they're trying to play catch-up. DeBoer himself trying to play catch-up. But when you see Georgia moving so fast, I don't think we even knew that that there was, uh, a, you know, a need for a safeties coach and a co-defensive coordinator Georgia. For all we knew, that was still going to be a role that Muschamp was in. But uh, uh, when you see Georgia act as quickly as it does, get the announcement out as quick as it did, that seemed like Georgia's – attempt i guess to sort of make this happen before alabama could respond but obviously if the offer that you make is big enough both in terms of responsibility and money perhaps that wins out even though georgia's already kind of announced you as on their staff yeah maybe so i certainly think that uh, the wheels turn pretty quickly in this world especially as you're you're looking at opportunities As a matter of fact when i when i first heard that coach saban was retiring I thought it would be more of a possibility that we would face attrition in the coaching staff with as many connections as, as our staff has with Alabama and recognizing uh, two things. One, we've got a really good staff. I mean, really highly talented across the board staff. And two, Alabama is one of the places that would be coveted as a coach. There's a lot of schools out there and programs where you're going, I don't know if I would take um, – take a position even if it was brought more money or, or a better title uh, because George, what Georgia's got going is, is really enticing to be a part of. Alabama is one of the few exceptions where you go that might make sense for some of our staff to, to see if the grass is actually greener and there was a more opportunity there. So I was actually pretty surprised um, that this, uh, this transition has provided opportunity for Georgia. So um, you know, obviously not all the cards have been dealt onto the table, but, um, you know, it, it, these things do move quickly. And when you're trying to put together a staff or, uh, you know, manage your staff, anytime you get an opportunity to add some really high-level coaches, I think everyone's covetous of those. And the time we have left, you mentioned this a moment ago, you know, how about the decision from Nick Saban to retire and now Kalen DeBoer announces a head coach I'm kind of curious about your thoughts on both those things both in terms of the legacy that Nick Saban leaves behind I think all of us would acknowledge that he's been the greatest college football coach we've ever seen and obviously you know tremendous shoes to fill for a guy like Kalen DeBoer what do you make of the transition taking place in Tuscaloosa right now yeah well let's look in isolation uh, first at Nick Saban's retirement and can easily and justifiably and should be recognized as you know, the best coach to come through college football during his era. And, um, you know, I, what he was able to do at Alabama was uh, impressive and something that is a, a standard setter. And I'm, I'm hopeful that 
um, Coach Smart and, and Georgia will exceed that in, in years to come. I think there's some significant possibility that that can occur. So I'm excited about that. And, um, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect. It was like Coach Spurrier during you know, our era that you recognize him as a great coach. And, you know, as a Georgia fan, you didn't actually like it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't have. What a super big fan of, of Florida during those years. As a matter of fact, it, it made for uh, you know some some rivalry moments that I think will stick with all of us for a while. But you can respect the fact that he is so effective and was able to do it for such a long time, and that's hard to do. You know, one of the hardest things to do is climb the mountain. It might be even harder, and is harder to stay at the top of it. And uh, to see what he was able to do is impressive. Now, the quick response that I think Alabama had and, and their ability to go out and find one of the hottest names in college football, um, I think is almost expected. It's a little strange that it, it comes from outside the ranks of the SEC, but when you talk about uh, a guy who's been able to, to build a program when he doesn't have all the pieces and, and think about the proposition of what he could do when he does when there there are the assets that Alabama has in place and he can build a program um, you know it's one of those moves where you're no one's going to be able to walk in and replace a Nick Saban easily uh, but I do think the DeVore hire is, is, is a strong one. John really uh, interesting thoughts we certainly appreciate your time here today and hope you enjoy some time with your family of course uh, as always and listen there's news breaking all the time the news we think is breaking then takes a flip-flop and goes back the other direction their plot twists all over the place so no doubt plenty of uh, stuff for you and I talk about in the uh, weeks and months to come so we'll enjoy doing that here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Palo Window in Dorf Georgia. Always enjoy it BA go dogs. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff from uh, John Stinchcomb there. Great to have him as a part of the program. And here on a holiday Monday, even better to kind of go through a lot of the uh, news that's out there right now. And by the way, speaking of news that's out there, let's get ready to go cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I'll remind some of you that uh, next week is a big week for me. It's my chance to be among the very first people to be on board icon of the seas the brand new royal caribbean cruise ship largest cruise ship ever constructed so excited about doing that we've got some pre-recorded shows will be airing next week to give me a chance to step away so i appreciate you doing that and appreciate your continued support of us while uh while i take a little time to enjoy that and come back and report to all of you about exactly what icon of the seas is going to be about it's an exciting year for royal caribbean the debut of icon of the seas a big part of that i can't wait to experience all of that in fact i'm going to try to if they'll let me shoot some video on the ship that i'll come back and i'll show to all of you i think you're just going to be blown away by everything that it has in store and hopefully that gets you excited about being a part of our dog nation cruise in april of 2024 there as well because speaking of large cruise ships we're going to be on allure of the seas one of those oasis class ships and it's going to be an incredible time there is still time for you to join here too as we head towards april of 2024 you can give jessica slater a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email her at jslaterdreamvacations.com and you can also check out royaldogs.com d-a-w-g-s of course is how you spell that royaldogs.com 
all the information about the Dog Nation cruise, leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, wide array of specially themed Dog Nation events. It's all on board for you there. Royaldogs.com, the website to go to to find out more about that. All right, let's dive deeper into the Kalen DeBoer situation here for a moment. And I, I would say that just at the sort of baseline level, this represents a good hire for Alabama. DeBoer is one of the most consistent winners we've seen step into uh, a college football landscape in really quite some time. I personally do not believe it is as good a hire as Dan Lanning could have been, but, you know, fair to point out, DeBoer did beat Lanning a couple of times on the field here this year, so clearly DeBoer is doing plenty of winning to make him sort of worth and, and this level of job, I just think that Lanning would have been a better fit here because Lanning knows the SEC, having coached at Georgia, having been a former staffer at Alabama. There's a little bit more of a geographic tie that I would believe would have made Lanning valuable. But right now, he's got an opportunity at Oregon that he you know, seemingly did not want to step away from. But Kalen DeBoer was the hire. You cannot dispute DeBoer's status. Rising the ranks from like NIA coach, up the ladder, up the ladder to eventually getting the Washington job, winning at a really unprecedented clip based on where Washington had been for quite some time. You can't dispute the resume that put him in line for the Alabama job. This clearly, from a resume standpoint, represents a strong hire for Alabama. But the caveat to that is this, is that the only coach that Alabama would have ever hired was the kind of coach that had a resume like this. In other words, you have to be as successful as DeBoer was to get on Alabama's radar, Alabama was never going to hire anyone who didn't have the sort of radar, that, or should say the sort of resume that put them on that radar, that this is the way this all goes. So from that standpoint, it's still not obvious how this ends for DeBoer at Alabama, because if he didn't have the kind of resume he currently has, he wouldn't be a candidate for the job. But beyond that, will he be successful at Tusc- in Tuscaloosa? Will he be successful at Alabama? Honestly, none of us can know, and it almost seems like it's sort of a coin flip, right? I mean, you have examples of guys like Brian Harson who come to Auburn and from outside the SEC, completely overwhelmed by the entire thing, a poor fit from the word go, and seemingly sort of dead on arrival. On the flip side of that, you have a guy like Urban Meyer, who had very little ties to the South when he came here to Florida, you know, back in the you know t- turn of the century almost, and yet Urban Meyer did have an unprecedented level of success there at Florida, won a couple of national championships, really made the Gators a fixture on the national scene after a little bit of a dip post-Steve Spurrier. So you've kind of got examples of sometimes this really works out in the case of Urban Meyer. Sometimes the outsider, such as Brian Harson, is totally trampled by the SEC. In terms of how Kalen DeBoer is going to operate here, we simply don't know. I, I know many of you saw what Steve Spurrier said the other day. Our buddy Mike Griffith wrote about this, but he didn't think that DeBoer would last much more than three years. But the honest truth is, that's not perhaps as bold a statement as you think that it is. I mean, the SEC is a little bit of a short-term proposition for a lot of people. I mean, uh, it takes great success to stay employed for a long period of time. And if you don't have that great success, then you're not going to last. So we have one of two things that are about to happen. 
either DeBoer is going to win very quickly and become one of the most respected coaches in all of college football, or he probably will flame out just as fast because that's the pace that these sort of things seem to move at. It is obviously interesting that they have focused on the offensive side of the ball. Ryan Grubb, who was really a candidate to get the Alabama offensive coordinator job a year ago, interestingly enough, is going to now be that OC now. I do think this is interesting to see what this means for, like, say, Jalen Milrow moving forward. Uh, obviously, at DeBoer State at Washington, it seems like Will Rogers, the former Mississippi State quarterback, was going to be the quarterback there. Are they happy and are they settled on Milrow? Would they perhaps consider uh, a different quarterback? I know that may seem uh, unimaginable just considering in the eyes of some. Uh, you know, Milrow's kind of a Heisman Trophy candidate for next year. But the truth is, is that Milrow is pretty limited as a thrower. And DeBoer and Grubb clearly won a high-level offense, the likes of what they had with Michael Penix this past year in Seattle. And I don't know that Jalen Milrow is capable of providing that. And given the pressure that DeBoer will have to build a successful program quickly, making a you know tough evaluation of his quarterback will be one of the things that they do. Now, maybe Milrow is their guy. But I do believe that's perhaps the next sort of thought about this on that side of the ball. It'll obviously be fascinating. And of course, the first game for DeBoer in the SEC is uh, in Tuscaloosa against Georgia. Uh, certainly a huge spotlight there on that. That was sort of a pressure-packed game for Georgia anyway because it was going to be a chance for Kirby Smart to get a win against Nick Saban, what's really the first kind of normal circumstances regular season game the two coaches would have ever coached against each other. And now it's going to be more about the idea of Kirby as the established coach and the established program with a big head start over the board Alabama, making sure they keep that distance in place here. And if Georgia is able to get that win, then I do believe it's going to sort of signify to a lot of people a true sea change in the SEC where the, where the unquestioned supreme power in this, in, in this league is Kirby Smart and the program that uh, Kirby Smart leads, the Georgia Bulldogs. That will be certainly a fascinating thing to go down there. September 28th of next year, DeBoer's first SEC game against the Georgia Bulldogs. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, let me take a moment here before we wrap up today's show just to mention this. In Athens on Saturday for the Georgia basketball game, you know, I had a great time. Obviously, it seemed for good portions of that game in the second half that Georgia was going to win and then sort of slipped away there at the end. Yeah, Tennessee, to its credit, a lot of length, challenging a lot of shots at the front of the rim. You know, obviously, uh, you know, they kind of, you know, get in Georgia's face a lot there in the second half. Georgia has a pretty long drought there. Uh, but Tennessee, a good basketball team, and a, uh, a lot to like about the Vols if you start thinking about the NCAA tournament. Georgia, to its credit, though, does keep pace for most of that game, seemingly with a lot more wins still to come here this season. I like the tweet from Josh Brooks uh, after the weekend saying that we had made a commitment to make the Stegman Coliseum a tough place to play for our opponents, and although we couldn't come up with a W against Tennessee today, the atmosphere was what we envisioned. Thank you to everyone in the Steg today, especially the students. So I do believe that Josh Brooks' statement there is probably a, you know, a, an accurate one, which is that Georgia basketball sort of seemed like a thing to me again on Saturday. We're a football show. That's what our audience wants to hear. But I do like Georgia basketball. I, I like college basketball, and I was very excited to be back a part of a fun college football, at, I should say college basketball atmosphere this past Saturday. I, I think there are some bright days ahead there for Mike White. This is a team that's a lot of fun to watch, and – you know, while not able to get it done in what really was a great opportunity to win against Tennessee, we think there's some uh, fun days ahead before this season's done. So uh, we'll continue to keep our eye on Georgia basketball, although admittedly they do come up a little bit short against the Vols here this past weekend. 
And as we wrap up, we'll do so with a golden shoe. Our buddy Joel Kelly, who's always such a talented graphic artist, he sends this to us here. How about Kalen DeBoer? Indeed, very big shoes for him to fill moving forward into his Alabama career. Joel, uh, very accurate with all of that there, and we'll see how DeBoer goes about filling those shoes there as the Alabama coach with seemingly Nick Saban looking over his shoulder uh, every step of the way. Kind of an interesting dynamic there, but very good stuff from Joel Kelly as DeBoer tries to fill the shoes left behind by Nick Saban. Strong stuff from Joel. We'll give him a golden shoe there for that. And as far as the lousy, stinking Gators are concerned, speaking of coaches who come in quick and flame out fast, that may be Billy Napier's story. It's been 1,164 days since uh, the Florida Gators have beaten the Georgia Bulldogs. That's why they're the lousy, stinking Gators. And that's going to number that's going to keep on going up and up and up and up. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia.